and I could change. I was about to start singing Derek Clapton songs. But I fixed it. I love that the I love that the internet has given you another nickname. Hello, welcome to episode number sixty seven seven of the Carmudgeon Show. I think it's sixty seven. Part of the part of the Haggerty Podcast Network. You're getting very good at saying that. I've always been good. It's you who's not good at that thing. Uh, This episode, we're going to talk to you about resto mods that aren't resto mods, aren't they? Oh yes, (laughs) Eric. We've just come from there, too. Yes, exactly. We just recorded the episode, Trout and now we're recording traveling. the intro. Time yes. travel. We're going to talk about the Roof SCR, which is a, a carbon-bodied, carbon-tubbed, sorry, no, 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 very important, carbon-tubbed own thing that looks like a 911, but doesn't have any portion parts on it. But is strangely naturally aspirated with a flat-six engine. Mm, sounds like a 911. And rear-engined. Yep. Uh, we're also going to talk about a singer's... Uh, and the Chimera... And the Chimera and the Totem Alpha GTV homage splooshy, deliciously gorgeous thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, all of that is enabled by the cameras over there, the lights, the TV, the new TV that says the Carmudgeon show on it. Yes, all of that. And which brought, was purchased. brought to you by Reliable Carriers. Um, reliable is the orange truck that you will see everywhere at car events that are important. And the most important thing for you to know is that they're cheap. That's not true. No enclosed carrier is cheap. You shouldn't choose the cheapest carrier. That was anyway. my way to, for you to say that we have a, a discount code. It's cheap when you use meant- the 10% discount code by getting a quote at reliablecarriers.com and then mention the Carmudgeon Show in the comment section of your quote. What if you mention Carmudgeon twice? You get 20% off? You can try it and if, find out. What if out. you say, I love the Carmudgeon Show? You can try whatever you like. It would certainly be worth it to save 20%. We won't judge you for anything you do or say. In order Unfortunately, to we won't it. read it. I mean, that's the only part about this, this sponsorship agreement that I don't like is that we don't get to read the nasty things that people put in there. I hate those two idiots, but Carmudgeon or, you know, I don't know. Send us a screen grab. You can't do that. Do we have, do we have an email address? No. No, probably not. You have to not. DM it, but you don't read those. <laughs> I might this. see it and then pass it along. Okay. If perhaps. it's funny, somehow get it to us. Um, but more importantly, uh, check out reliablecarriers.com. They are kind of amazing. Reliably carrying. All of the, We should do ads. <laughs> Reliably who, who would pay us? You know what you'd have to do if you did more ads? More clapping. Okay, let's do fewer ads. Okay. Applause. Deep, deep, deep. Do you want your cup of water? I always have it. That's always it. But, that's, yes. That's sometimes that it's bad? not water. Don't it's, you sometimes drink something other than water? I, I don't most people. There's vodka. Vodka? No, I don't drink vodka. No, you don't drink anything. No. I was accused this past week of driving drunk. I was, Which is a remarkable achievement given that you don't drink. Well, also I wasn't driving. <laughs> I was standing You were there. falling. I was accused of having shown up drunk to an event and, and spent an hour there being boisterously drunk and then leaving and driving drunk. I was like, I have never been drunk in my life. It's very upsetting. 
Mm. You know, this is how rumors get started. Well, is, right. That was that was the problem because it was in a bit, bunch of people. Oh, you showed up so drunk last night. I I jokingly fell out of the car. You know, it's a, the, the well, it's Ferrari's, like the Lotus Elise preferred exit strategy is to is fall, out, to fall yeah. out of the car. So I made I sort of half did really actually fall out of the car. I sort of half tripped and I turned it into a thing and I'm like, ah, I shouldn't have been drinking. And next thing I know, I'm, you know, oh, well, you brought day, this on yourself then. I guess being funny means you're going to be accused of driving drunk. I mean, look, I was almost killed by a drunk driver in college. I had a very long tale of physical therapy and a lot of a lot of shit. So I take it very offensively that anyone would accuse me. No, it'd be a very different story if he saw me driving on the road, <laughs> weaving through traffic and like, dude, you were drunk. Then I would take that as a compliment. Yes, I know. No, no. I was just on my way to a place. <laughs> right. Church. It's fine. Yes. As if I would ever survive being in a church without getting struck by lightning uh yeah but that was that all happened at car week which is now thanks to the magic of editing definitely not just a couple days ago no two weeks ago two weeks ago i remember like it was yesterday (laughs) because it was we're cheating james engelsman just left that was fun yes he's still on the leaderboard yeah we're gonna make a leaderboard of all of our guests let's see how long it takes we're gonna have guests from now on well it took us 66 episodes to get Mm -hmm. to guest one so let's see so, if by 100, so 133 of them yeah maybe we'll get or yeah yes. 132 would be 133 would have to be the yeah whatever um uh yeah so that but car week i'm i'm genuinely i i wish everyone in the audience would have been there so that, i think they probably were but everyone understands like if you do a full week of this it is genuinely exhausting yes <laughs> it's uh i mean i'm just i feel knackered hung over not that you would know what I it would feels know what like. it feels like, but I'm knackered. I yep. mean, I just can't wait to go home to go to sleep, but I can't. No rest for the weary. I have research to do. Yes, about an exciting high performance vehicle. I mean, economy car. It's a two seat mid engined minivan. No, oh, wait, no, that was the last oh, the last time we did this. It there. ended up being a minivan. I know. I know. This is not I, a minivan. That was one of my favorite parts of Pebble was watching you get infuriated. So we didn't hang, we didn't hang out all that much. You know, a couple, once a day we'd see each other. But I always do. <laughs> I always do this thing where I'm like I build up a big amount of excitement about a, the latest my car, car purchase, and then I let them down with like a big like a balloon prick. And it was my boss, and I'm like, "Hey, I bought something. Oh, really? Would you buy that tenth car? Blah blah blah. It's more horsepower than the Ferrari. The same shit that I probably did to you on the show. I don't remember. Um, yes. And it was very watch funny watching you get insanely frustrated because he was it's just not what you think a, it is. <laughs> just gonna have a letdown. Yeah, exactly. That's fun, especially my For boss. You. There's nothing more than I that, that I like letting my boss. Letting your down. boss down. That's not true. Your material is very high performing. The um, some of it. And the Bronco episode just tanked. Well, you put it out during Car Week. Yeah, but I mean, the audience is twenty thousand people at Car Week, or hundred thousand people at Car Week. The, the audience is worldwide. So you just you YouTube is fickle. You never know. One of our we had one icons that did worse than this. It just stalled at I think one hundred eighty thousand views initially. Is this was this the electric Mustang? Is Maki go figure? Yeah, and it was but that should be exciting to the public. Actually, you guys should go watch the episode because it was pretty good i mean it holds up when i go to watch it back i think what happened was this was one of the first episodes that we did on, on haggerty's youtube channel which at that point was mostly um well all of the videos vintage to that point car enthusiasts vintage kind of americana you know hot roddy kind of uh, viewers and i started the episode out with a whole bunch of slides in a traditional mustang five liter and basically it was like i'm sure you love this but it's ending 
holy shit. The, I mean, the comments within 30 seconds of posting the video were, fuck you. Um, yeah. And they, uh, and what happens then is the initial response of all the thumbs down, the dislike clicks. Oh, causes YouTube's algorithm to be like, well, we're not going to show it to yeah. anybody because everybody hates it. Yeah. So that I, so the YouTube's thumbs up, thumbs down ratio is a little bit bizarre. It works sort of like blood oxygen saturation where 98 and above is great. And 99 and above is kind of normal, but it, it falls off very quickly. You get 97 is a problem. 96 is a big problem. And 95 and below, you need to go see a doctor now. And it's very much the same way. If I look at the thumbs up down, I'm, I do, I'm a slave to analytics. I shouldn't say that. I pay very close attention to analytics to understand what people like and don't. Um, and uh, the thumbs up ratio was something like 65% for the first 24 hours, which is horrendous. I mean, that's death. Um, if you eliminate the first, if you eliminate people who are subscribers at the time of the video launches, 99.2. <laughs> so that tells me that Haggerty's installed YouTube subscriber base was highly offended by my, you're, this is coming to an end. Well, I'm fucking sorry. Like, I don't want it, I don't want internal combustion to come to an end either, but it is what it is. And so do we ignore it or do we celebrate what we're losing and then look forward to what we're gaining? And I'm sorry. Yeah, people didn't like it. But that one that one did really terribly. And then this Bronco um, was engineered to be polarizing from start to finish. Because and you succeeded, it sounds well, like. Well, yeah. I mean, look, Bronco Raptor is a is a is itself a polarizing car. You know, is a douchebag? How little is your dick? I mean, you know, the, the comments you get from people like, what the fuck is that? What are you trying to compensate for is the, you know, the sort of general feeling of a Raptor or you love it. And it's funny because I would typically be in that former camp, but I love that truck so much um, because of all the things it's really genuinely good at. It's not just a poser. It's, it's a brute and it backs it up. And uh, so we made the, the whole episode polarized, polarizing. I the script was polarizing. And then the color that we color graded it to look like there's a bunch of movies that, um, that Robin Anthony uses inspiration to really do a very big color grading on it. And it looks and feels very different. I drive on sidewalks. I mean, we did it very safely. It's cut together to make it look like, obviously I'm doing reckless shit, something that you would do in a normal daily thing. But I knocked over, you know, I would like one in that case. It was fun. If it will enhance my ability to run over people, administer justice. (laughs) Um, yeah, we did. Have, I mean, we did have a moment on the video where I lost brakes, and that was real. I mean, we did. We didn't. It wasn't in the script. There was something in the script about the brakes being small because they're thirty-seven inch tires and they're seventeen inch wheels. And you do the math: thirty-seven minus the seventeen inch wheel leaves twenty inches. Divided by two is two ten-inch sidewalls. So you have ten inches of sidewall, which is great for off-roading and ride quality. But seventeen-inch wheels don't fit big brakes, and this thing weighs fifty-seven hundred pounds. Um, so we had a segment in there about, you know, brakes overheating and smelling, but what really happens is there's an ABS calibration issue. And I really need to talk to Ford's engineer about this because it happened four times, three times in that show car and that uh, picture car that we used. And once in the, in the first one I drove where I went foot on the floor and nothing, zero. And I finally on the third time, very alarming. Yeah. I caught it. It's an ABS. I had a stability light flashing while it was happening. So something in the ABS stability calibration is like, oh my God, something's going on and it's not allowing you to break because it doesn't think it has grip. Um, and that's something that can be fixed. I've seen this in other and parts. And should sure. be fixed. Needs, needs to be fixed. With In Ford's defense, that's always when I'm doing some pretty, 
we, spirited we, we had a lot of professional driver closed course discussions on that video like we, we needed to put it there and not only did i have a you know professional driver do not attempt or professional idiot do not attempt like in the subtitles i always do funny subtitles and yes i write them for you guys that are asking um so i make fun of myself usually that's my favorite part but i you know i started one segment out with like it's you know professional idiot closed course or do not attempt or whatever it is and then the next one in captions was Haggerty recommends never driving like this. And the next one is Haggerty insists in capital, you never drive this way. Haggerty has insists Jason never do this again. Haggerty has fired Jason. Jason has lost his license permanently. I mean, it was just, I had to make it a buildup, but I mean it. Like you can't do that stuff on an, not, on an open road. Um, and of course it's our job to make it look like it's, you know, oh, I'm just, here's a Starbucks can and, you know, Starbucks cup and here I go. Anyway, magic of TV. Um, that wasn't what we're supposed to talk about. No, but it happened during car week. Yeah. The launch of that video. So what else happened during the car week? Um, we tried out some new vehicles. You experienced the, uh, Chimera Automobili (laughs) 037, you know, uh, Evo 37, which I experienced in Italy. And then I was like, let me see if I can... You Make you be, uh, I drove it like two feet and then it broke. Oh. So I got a ride. I got a spirited oh. ride by the same pilot that you did. Okay. A, authentic Italian experience if it broke. B, yes. uh, the same person who drove, who's probably same, remained nameless because of what he did. Um, you probably... A talented and accomplished rally driver. I wish you would have told me that before you put me in the car with him. So oh, yes, I've been neglected to mention that. Through the 17 years of my career, I have often been in situations where I get in a car with an executive, somebody who works at a car company who just doesn't know how to drive. And I don't mean, I mean, I've had it like stalling manuals and just genuinely not doing uh, everything from that to just poor form to people who go off tracks with me in the car. And then the whole PR team has to apologize for profusely for years. All of that. And that's exactly what went through my head when he flung the fucking thing sideways in a 25 zone and proceeded to do a 200 long foot drift at 80 miles an hour between trees going, uh, it's not, uh, it's not done. It's uh, you know, far from uh, perfect. And I'm like, great. Yes, it's we'll not done. The power, add yeah. more power oh, later. And it, yeah. And oh, by the way, thanks to shitty California throttle mapping, we have 50% gasoline. Yeah. The uh, poor yeah. gas. I'm like, I'm going to die in this fucking thing. <laughs> and he's saying it's going to have 100 or 150 more horsepower later? Yeah, no, I was mortified. Until afterwards, and you're like, well, this is actually an accomplished trailer driver. I'm like, well, that explains why we didn't crash. <laughs> well, um, uh, you enjoyed it, the car. No, you were, you were alarmed. Both. Yeah. Which is what we, I think we just talked about with James last episode about how you actually like that. Yeah. I, here's the, here's the, I cannot wait to drive this car. So this is a 
an homage to the Lancia 037, mm-hmm. which I've driven. I mm-hmm. drove a, the, the 1983 Monte Carlo Rally winning. Walter Röhrl car. Walter Röhrl. Uh, such a fun name. Walter Röhrl. Um, and that was an experience. That car was really cool. It sounded like nothing I've ever driven before. Um, but I think it we, does I think sound a like clip. a pop, popcorn machine. Popcorn popper, right? Yeah. Um, the only other car I've ever driven that sounds like a popcorn popper was, strangely, a Mazda Cosmo. Mm. Yeah. Um, with an owl on top of a with popcorn pops um the 037 was just a very strange experience because the steering was slow uh, but unbelievably light and linear i never felt anything like that um and it wasn't fast that was the other weird thing the car the 037 the original uh yeah reportedly that car was sort of tuned down for safety reasons yeah i was told that the uh the, the Italians who Italian. set the car up before it left to come to the United States were like, mm, let's make sure they don't die in this in car. American, yeah. Um, it was, I mean, a lot of suspension travel, super, super easy to drive, even race clutch. Mm-hmm. Even in traffic, though, it was manageable, hot as fuck in that cabin. Correct. Um, and the Camara is a homage car to that. There is a Lancia under there. Okay. The body, the, the center section of the shell is from a... In Europe, it's called a Beta Monte Carlo. Here, it was called a Scorpion. Okay. And then it's that it has the Lancia engine in it. Yes, but recast. Really? Like, they were like, we're going to fix all the problems with the old one, so we're going to recast this block. Get the fuck out. Yeah. They got the original wow. engineers involved. Yeah, that's why it still leaks so much oil. Yeah, it still does leak oil. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it's re, it's a redone block, It's a, but it's still the Lamprey twin cam motor. It's so and crazy. And instead of just being supercharged like the 037, it also is turbocharged in addition to being supercharged, like which the is S4. the Delta S4 engine. Same powertrain, they just right. added a turbo. So that, in addition I, to this. I once heard a Delta, uh, an S4 run at Amelia. It was something started and I ran across the show field in my loafers um knocking down children as i went um because i had to hear what the fuck that was and this chimera sounds the same way mm-hmm. it is the most complex harmonious i i don't i i mean i'll have a clip unbelievable display of fucking italian italian insanity i've ever heard yeah It's an un, it's an incomparable sound. Like it doesn't sound like anything else. It's two engines, it and it's like, a, like two. It's engines. a two-liter four-cylinder. Like you're like that shouldn't sound like anything, but it's all the other stuff. It's this attached super, to the engine. It's got to be the supercharger yes. because the uh, the the original zero three seven sounded similar, not nearly as good. Uh, similar in that there are definitely it sounds like two four-cylinders running at the same time at different RPM mm-hmm. with a different riser. I don't get it. I genuinely. I would love to do uh, like a Revelations or an Icons video on 037 and whatever, but I'd have to go and talk to the engineer, some somebody who's actually smart, to figure out what in the fuck is going on that makes it sound like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds best between idle. It's not that it sounds best. It sounds so interesting between idle and three or 4,000 RPM that this is the kind of car that between the looks of it and the way it sounds, just driving it anywhere at any speed would be... Uh, a genuine experience yeah. all right so what uh what was your experience like in the car uh it definitely functions when it's sideways <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, real swift too i mean it weighs less than an f40 by quite a margin and it has more power how much does it weigh 
Do we know? Uh, I once knew, but I don't write yeah. it off the top of my head. I mean, I can't. 21.50 Sorry? 21. 50 pounds. Get out. Now mm. I really am afraid that I was going to die because there can't be any crash structure in that thing. <laughs> yeah, just the old 21, ones. But this is like 2150 Italian yeah, like so dry it's weight 2700. pounds. 2700 pounds. <laughs> but even 2700 even pounds with, I mean, that's a two liter. You put a turbo on a two liter, you're at three, four, five, 600 horsepower, no it's problem. It's rated around 500. Fuck me. It, well, it, wasn't, it wasn't making that much when Correct. I was in it. it. It's the production article should be 500 horsepower. Jesus. Um, and an F40 is 478. Wow. I mean... You use that as a benchmark like anyone knows what that is. I mean, I the F40 is just an absolute rocket. And okay. then to imagine that this car weighs hundreds of pounds less and has more power. Oof. Yeah. Uh, I love there There are three buttons on the center console for map, for uh, for fuel. I guess it's it says map. So I'm assuming it's um, ignition timing and fuel mapping. And of course, there are the three Italian, the tricolore, the three t- colors of the Italian flag. Mm-hmm. I thought only the Italians would be cool enough to think of doing that. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't have a star spangled banner as a shift pattern. Um, <laughs> I mean, people, people would do that in the aftermarket to their yeah. trucks for sure. But there's just something like I had a friend that had an alpha years ago that in the, in the shift, the leather shift boot was the, the tricolor stripe mm-hmm. sewn in. I just, I, so, they would find so, a way to work it, find in. a way to work in it um that is a really cool car i really hope to get to push the shit out of that i mean that's my official request to the camaro folks let me there's one in the u.s is that car right and it's going to southern california i heard which is where i typically film icons i think it belongs to a dealer group so you should begin romancing them uh i'll put out Content. I don't doubt it. Content. But if I could get that together with... here's, I guess here's the question for the audience. Write in the comments, right? Smash that like button and write in the comments. Um, does anyone care? I mean, I if I did like a lancha... So. Well, so the people are going to self-select who do care, but I think that generally speaking, that type of content... I mean, I don't know. How did your your Delta Integrale video do Worst Spotlight for ever. So Spotlight became Revelations, the, the, basically the same concept. Um, and I did Delta Integrale with a martini car front when, when I was at ECME, and they it tanked. Yeah. did not do well. I, the Amer- I mean, I guess, well, you have a global audience, but I think the strongest interest in those cars is in the, the place where those cars were raced. Yeah. So tortuous mountain places in Corsica or, you know, the Alps. And, and here's the other problem, is that I don't say this often about modern clarkson-ish clarkson-y content but they uh, did yes. a great grand tour did a great lancha special yes um i don't know if i could do better than that that was fucking the the, the revisionist history or sort of the, the sort of recreated history moments were typically clarkson brilliance in their hilarity yeah uh, i don't think i could do that justice we'll see i mean what we didn't get is you know a camara sideways around a track in that episode so Mm-hmm. maybe we should do that um you and i experienced something else and I a different this. old new car it's not actually old at all uh, not at old at all so this was the roof ctr um i am so glad you got to scr scr ctr is a civic type R. no ctr is the original yellow bird uh or a civic type R for our audience which i've never driven really Mm-mm. okay you should but scr um, I have. so the scr okay uh let's go back to the original ctr and talk about what that was for anyone who doesn't know what the yellow bird was I and mean, i think we have to include a clip from the nurburgring of it going sideways before drifting had officially been invented um sure roll tape
We are back. It is iconic. I mean, this is like the day, this video went viral before the internet existed. I think it went viral in VHS form. Right, I think people, people were, were mailing comments. VHSs to each other of this. Occasional Holy Betamax. shit. Yeah. Like, look at this. Uh, but that car was, of course, it looks like a 911. They purposely made it a narrow body instead of a wide body so that the car could have less frontal area and less drag and be faster. The car sort of schooled everything. The road and track did this famous thing where they put all the fastest cars on the cover of the magazine that, you know, in the world that you could buy. Ferrari Testarossa, Lamborghini Countach, F40, 959, uh, AMG Hammer, and this thing, which looks like a regular 911. And I think this was, of all those cars, the fastest. But they comprehensively re-engineered the car. It was, I think it was twin turbocharged, dogleg five-speed. Uh, they put the vents and the fenders for the intercoolers. They, it has an integrated roll cage. I mean, there's a famous picture of every component that they changed in the car laid out in the shape of the car, and it just looks like, oh, the whole car is new. Mm-hmm. So they really just completely re-engineered the car, which is what Roof did, and that's how they... It's part of why they are considered to be a... Uh, dedicated manufacturer and not like a tuner of Porsches because they made so many changes. So it's an icon. Uh, and then they have always made variants pretty much of whatever the current 911 is uh, as performance cars. And that's been true since that era. Uh, and then this car, there was the turbocharged version, which the Yellowbird was, which what is the turbocharged version that this thing is derived from? Keep track. So... They basically made a modern yellow bird. It looks like it. They, of course, when it came out, it was yellow. Uh, and, you know, it has the traditional 911 silhouette and the upright headlights. I mean, it is meant to look like a modern redo in the same way that like, a singer is uh, of an old 911. But there's nothing at all shared with any... Uh, okay. Um, AC vents on the dash, I think, are old 911. Um that's true of this SCR also, because I just read in their press materials last yesterday, there's not a single Porsche part on the car. Oh, really? Yeah, so if it looks like that could well, be... Well, it looks like the AC vents, like right. the wipers look an awful lot mm-hmm. like the 993's yeah, well wipers. Be. But that could be like a Vabasto part or like a Bosch part. Or right, or right. It's not a they Porsche. That yeah, that's, they're suppliers. In any case, effectively a new car. The And to demonstrate that, it's got a carbon tub right that was the one that got me interested because when the question was would you like to drive this 2022 ct uh scr um i thought okay four liter 510 horsepower naturally aspirated, naturally aspirated. i'm in power Sounds peak cool. is it i think in their material says 8270 8270 which is, which is oddly specific right before the 8300 rvm fuel cut uh um, yeah which, uh, it was a little higher but. i thought i was told 88 i think i hit it a little bit lower than that and the materials say 83 so who somewhere around a lot in excess of 8,000 rpm yeah. in a naturally aspirated yeah. four liter and i was case. kind of interested and then i and then, and then i read a c- completely bespoke carbon tub with mm-hmm. all carbon with push rod suspension push rod suspension and i thought whoa hold on that might explain why the price tag is somewhere nearing a million dollars. Correct. Yeah. Which um, is also Singer money, and you don't get... Right. Uh, and you and I have both drink, driven a Singer. Mm-hmm. So we purposely, we both drove the car independently of an, another and have not spoken at all about this. And this... Except for right now. Except for right now. And I, I sort of petitioned Roof to allow you to drive the car because I have my own impressions of it, but I bow to your knowledge and your experience in the 911 world. And I really want to hear what you have to say, because if we are not aligned on this, I don't think we're going to be fully aligned, but if we're not aligned on this, I'll be very curious. My TLDR, should I put this here or should we build to it? Mm -hmm. My TLDR on this car is that if you 
had only driven modern Porsches and got out of like a GT3, uh, you know, a 991 GT3 into this car, you would be terrified. You'd be like, this car is alarming and undrivable and just a wild creature. Undri- alarming, yes. Not undrivable. undrivable. If you were, tr- I think that it, it just it's it's in a completely different league from a GT3 mm-hmm. in terms of how it behaves and reacts. The powertrain actually feels fairly similar to me, mm-hmm. uh, but the and the, the shifter is not nearly as good. But the way that the chassis reacts to your inputs is just like holy hell. It's really it. It reminds me a lot of what um, fighter jets do where they have computers that keep them in the air because they are, they purposely design the plane to be not longitudinally stable, uh, which is to say, like, it's kind of like in a car where you take your hands off the steering wheel and the car keeps driving down the road. Mm-hmm. Airplanes, if they are longitudinally stable, will do the same thing. You take your hands off the controls and it'll just keep flying on the same course approximately. If it's not longitudinally stable, it's going to just sort of exit controlled flight. Uh, <laughs> and the computers are designed to keep it under controlled flight. But what that the, the trade-off of that is is that you get incredible maneuverability and agility and responsiveness uh, when you need it. Uh, and that was how I felt about this car if you were used to driving a modern GT3. If you came from an old 911 and had only driven 911Rs from the 60s and Carrera RSs and stuff like that, racing 911s, really aggressive 911s, and got into it, you'd be like, huh. And it had never driven a modern 911, you'd be like, no, this is the logical linear extrapolation of what I experienced in terms of old Porsches. Hmm. <laughs> That's really interesting. That was my conclusion. That's your TLDR? Yeah. Uh, my TLDR is very similar, but slightly different, which was that this is a mindfuck because it looks like a 911. It sounds like a 911, but it doesn't feel at all like a 911 in a lot of very important ways um, to the point where driving I, before I drove it, I kept calling it a 911 and I'm like, Oh, the 911. And I was corrected a couple times by roof. They're like, uh, you know, <laughs> not a 911 doesn't have a single 911 part on it. I'm like, yeah, look at it. It's a fucking 911. But the, my expectation from having driven several early 911s, all of them basically um, is except the RS, except the RS, except the, the most important one um, that colored, it sort of preset me up to drive the car a certain way and then the car didn't drive that way. So I expected bottom hinged pedals and they're top hinged. Mm-hmm. And that fucked me up because I was looking yeah, for... The so brakes are... The brakes, right? So a tra- traditional 911, I, I left a brake. Air-cooled 911. Air-cooled 911 brakes are, you're dealing with an upward arc. I never noticed any of this stuff. Every it time I get so one. instinctive yeah. or like ingrained to me yeah. that I just don't notice it. I don't notice the three, four shift on my Volkswagens that feels yeah, like it's, a three, it's two. Yeah, <laughs> it's italicized. Yeah, it's italicized. It's an italicized H <laughs> yeah. shift pattern. I don't notice that anymore. I just go, eh, and I, you know, we, we're too familiar with these cars. But I, on 911s, I always notice the upward arc of the brake pedal and that there's always... A third of the travel does absolutely nothing. So you get to the sort of the peak of it. And then on the way down, the pedal starts to re- react. And instinctively, when I just, you know, I shift and then I'm, I go left foot back on to a corner, I just kind of get to that point, push through all the, the mush, and then get to great pedal feel. This car doesn't do that. And it's, a, it's got a very high, firm brake pedal. With a little tiny, just enough bit of travel to trick me into thinking. So every time I went for the brakes, the first twelve times, <clears throat> like you know, five times the the bite I expected, mm-hmm. um, and I apologized. I had Alois Roof in the car with me, which mm. in itself was a fucking whole episode. What a cool guy! 
um, 71 years old, sitting there going, I don't need to do this anymore. And I'm like, you know, what fuels this? And he's like, your laughter. And he, like, I, at one point started, I, first time I had the gas and the thing, I, and redlined it, I laughed out loud. And he's like, oh my God. And he pulls his camera out and he starts videoing me. And he was like, what does this feel like? And he's laughing. And you could see the joy coming from this man that, that he created something that he that created gave someone that else. gave me joy. It was so fucking, what a hero. Um, but so there was, you know, I'm seeing the gauges and I'm seeing the Porsche like steering wheel, the whole thing. And it just, I expect loose rear end i expect to feel a secondary transfer of weight every time i turn the wheel i expect a whole i expect steering that the second i move off snaps to the center rs's are don't have that slack well in the chassis oh really okay yeah i but i expect all of these things including the steering was the the biggest one that as soon as you start moving these cars have a, it must be a lot of caster they just immediately snap to center and then read the surface of the road to you better than just about anything else this car doesn't do that it's got it will stay at 20 degrees and just follow that path and it has also like for a modern car a very strangely slim steering wheel rim very strange very narrow it encourages you to drive with your fingertips which is exactly the way to drive this car you know bmw has this false notion that thicker is better or it's more sporty and this car inc- requests that you not do that by its ergonomic form of the steering wheel, which I really appreciate. It was crazy to get out of the 308 GT4, which has an unbelievably skinny steering wheel rim, and which is a problem because it doesn't have power steering when you're trying to maneuver slowly. It's it's very light. As soon, if you're moving a quarter mile an hour, it's fingertip light. But if you're stopped, it's, um, and this even coming out of that car was thinner. It's very, very skinny and big. Um, yeah. Very old-fashioned. Very old-fashioned. But um yeah it's so i got i had this expectation of i kept fucking with the brake pedal i was really surprised about the steering and and then the shifter feels absolutely unlike any 911 i've ever driven yeah i agree with that it feels more volkswagen or opal it actually you know what it reminded me most of in terms of porsches is probably a 996 yeah because it felt like a cable yeah sort of long i guess we should probably explain it long longer throws so when you get a when you have a rod mechanism or direct mm-hmm. you get a very typically a fairly short throw but a very clear distinct um effort build and then release so the it kind of you push and then it sort of falls into gear this is closer to a mod, modern cable where it just falls the whole way with a you know not a big change in effort it's not bad it's just a different feel and then it's a six speed i don't remember where reverse was but it wasn't where i expected it to be because you know Porsche six speeds are to the left of first, and I think this was down. Really? Was it? No, it was up. No, it, it was up again. Up. I have no mental note about it, so that means it was in the normal place. It was should be next to first. Should, where is it in the in the classic five speed nine elevens? Which one? Right. So the dog so, leg ones are up. And yeah, which was used. The nine oh one was used until seventy one. And then they introduced the 915, and then that lasted until 80. So th- there's three different locations of right. reverse in a five-speed. So 901 is top left. Top left in dog a dog leg. leg. Mm-hmm. 915 is bottom right below fifth, right. which lasted until 86. And then it went to next to first and has remained has next remained to first, first. Um, since then. Yeah, but the, the gauges, every, everything on the car looks like a Porsche, but it's not. So the yeah. gauges kind of look almost air-cooled-y. Uh, yeah, it looks earlier the than closest, The closest that they look in terms of font is probably too. Mm, I should know this. I think it's. I think that the nine 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 six four uses microgramma as the ty- typeface, 
And then <laughs> before that, it's, uh, I should know this. I don't know the what font. it is. It, yes, done. the typeface. Uh, in any case, and it has the traditional green, which is Roof's trademark, as well as the location of moving the clocking of the tack so that red line points straight up straight instead up. of being somewhere in the 430 position. And the gauges are backlit. Yes, Very and they have bright. little screens mm-hmm. as well. Yep. The um, two message centers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, the whole thing didn't didn't add up because I was th- like I had a bunch of expectations because of the shape of the gauges and just the view out, and then the cabin. The cabin feels traditional nine eleven. It's it's mm-hmm. narrow. It's so wonderfully narrow after being in you know the nine ninety two. It's intimate. And it's beautifully finished. Nothing like Singer. I mean, Singer is just on a whole different level. Of I mean, a Singer is almost like yeah, exactly automotive jewelry. It's like a right. Pagani, right? Um, and then I found it very interesting how tractable that four liter is because you have a 103.7 millimeter, some enormous bore and then an 80 mil stroke. So you have That's how you get the revs, how you get the revs. Um, and but it's I'd install it. I mean, it's very yeah. it's very tractable. It's we'll friendly from 1200 RPM. Yeah, it's quite friendly. Um, and then the noise. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, the powertrain really reminded me of the of the modern gt3 without any sound deadening it's genuinely deafening i thought it was fine it's, it's exactly how it should be i say deafening is a compliment i did hear a couple of journalists call the new gt4 rs deafening um and it is pro it is and it is absolutely should be if you can't you know if you're complaining about how loud your gt4 rs engine and intake noise is you should should be, be driving, driving a con you should be driving a fucking camry mm. i'm sorry uh, nothing against Camry, but sorry if you if you're buying a sports car and it's, it's too loud for me to have a Bluetooth call on it, shut the fuck up. But this hey, was my ears rang for the remainder of the day. Oh really? Um, and I talked to. The, I must be more deaf than you, huh? I must be more. De- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I talked to the PR guy. Uh, PR guy who was in the car with you, and he said his his ears popped, and mine had mine did too. And I I originally thought it was from going over Loralis grade. grade, but no, it was from it was from the sound. It is really loud and i did really not notice loud. that <laughs> how could you not notice it i don't know i'm it's used funny. to riding motorcycles and uh, stuff like that it's it's definitely triple digit decibels and probably like 108 mm. really fucking loud the noise that that thing makes so this was another great thing about alois uh, is i i just burst out laughing the first because i drove it and under 4,000 rpm it's tracked I drove, I drove it for quite some time, miles, and before I rev, revved it out. And so he was probably getting bored. You know, I said to him, how do you sit here all day and like just sit in the passenger seat while incompetent boobs drive your car? And he's like, oh, because eventually they get on the gas and, you know, I laugh. And so I thought he was full of shit. And so, but I, you know, I just wanted to get a feel for the car, the base car itself, and then not overwhelm myself with its power, especially given the thing weighs 2,800 and something pounds. I think it's 2,750 is what they quote. Yeah, again, here we go. What they quote. They, they quote. They quote a couple weights. They one quote is the, the din, din weight, weight and which is like 26, and then the... I think 20, that one was 2,750. Okay, and then the, then the EU weight, which is 28 and change or 29, whatever, under 3,000 pounds, 500 horsepower. So... We know what's going to happen, right? As soon as you hit the I mean, gas, yeah, it's a better power to weight ratio than a GT than a nine nine one GT three. Yeah, and it, you you know, and given how vocal it is, but it's actually quiet, like under four grand. I I asked if there were there was a uh, a valve to open and close. He said no. There are so there are there are carefully placed holes in the sound insulation of the firewall between you and the car, but that's it. No intake resonance tubes, and it's six independent throttle bodies breathing on you know big runners, and so. <laughs> 
you know, you can nail it at 2000 RPM and it's got a guttural, but that's kind of it. And it really does change. I don't know if it's the one, the cam timing changes, but in the four to five range, it goes from vocal to your, your ears pop. And then I, so I hit the limiter, shifted, hit the limiter again, and then just burst out laughing. And so he gets the camera out because I'm laughing and he, he wants to capture this. I'm like, this is like, he, I said, it's like screaming. I wanted to say it's a screaming orgasm coming from the back of the car. I was like, screaming. Do you know what's kind of I think I just had an orgasm. And he's like, say this again. Turns out he refers to the sound of the engine as a screaming orgasm. And it's 100% accurate. What a fucking noise. Why yep. can't modern cars sound like that? Yep. God. Uh, you have video of it, right? I do, yes. Okay. This is another time for insert. Professional driver close course. Absolutely. back i didn't get a chance to hear the video because i don't actually get to watch the uh well you were in the car that's better than yeah. hearing a video oh God, so good. um okay so my takeaway from that whole thing after that long-winded speech because we have to fill you know sometime this is a podcast is <laughs> that it's different enough from a 911 that it's actually its own thing i no longer compare it to a 911 when i'm driving it really yeah metzger inspired motor 911 inspired styling we'll get to the body in a second but the driving, the other than the, the feeling the mass of the of the rear end when you make abrupt changes to the front, which I really enjoyed doing. Did you? Yeah. Did you slide it around? No, no, no. Okay. But you can change the line so oh. dramatically. <laughs> oh yes. With uh, with the throttle, yeah. and that's the part that really felt like an old nine eleven yeah. to me. That was it. The rest of it sounded like it. It did that. It did that. The rest of it didn't feel like a nine eleven, and I liked that. It feels like its own thing. It felt more contemporary to me. I mean, it is yep. contemporary. It's a new car. Steering and then was, it turns into an old car when you are sort of playing around with it. But at the, the limits are... I mean, I I thought I was going to get it sideways on one big long sweeper, and it just gripped. I mean, I, and I didn't want to really push it, um, especially given how ham-fisted my brake inputs were because I kept anticipating everything was wrong. Um, I really enjoyed that it was its own thing. I would like a little more steering talkative. It's there. It's great. It's everything you want to feel and nothing you don't. But one of my favorite things about old 911s is that they're chatterboxes. Mm -hmm. It is um, definitely more talkative than a modern GT3. And interestingly enough, the specs say it's electro uh, electromechanical power steering. I saw that. Uh, Alois told me it was hydraulic. So either either there was it a change. It could be like a Golf Mark V electromechanical where mm -hmm. it's a hydraulic pump driven by... Now we're just speculating electric pump yeah hydraulic pump driven by electricity or it which is my guess is what it really is or it could be that they're that the steering loads are so low on that car because it weighs so little and there's so little really little weight on the front axle that the motor is small enough that it doesn't really damp out all the good shit because mm -hmm. uh, the steering's good did you notice the lack of self-centering and the not really no not really and that yeah it was immediate to me because we started moving and i just i expected that well, boom i'm alive yeah. And it didn't. And I thought, oh, this is not going to be good. But as soon as you start moving, you get this sort of yes. 
underway mm-hmm. it's it, there's a lot coming through and i think it's encouraged by the way that they've designed the steering wheel which is very clever mm-hmm. um and the, did 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 uh were you encouraged to make a u-turn no okay this is really interesting so i was i got to the bottom of the road and the idea was that we just turn around and go back into the hill climb again and mr roof was like hey uh you know you don't actually need to find a big place to make a u-turn just do it right here in the road and i'm like really and he's like well when you have a clean sheet design you can do whatever you want and i really wanted a tiny turning radius and it's hilarious like a forklift yeah (laughs) just genuinely funny it's 2.6 turns lock to lock which sounds quick but the thing is it's way quicker than that because that because it would deflection. have only been two two, but then you get this ridiculous amount of angle huh. on it, and it will make it your turn on a two lane road, no problem. Really, which is really cool for a nine eleven. It's also really cool for filming. That's <laughs> true. Because we're always doing the freaking random yeah. three point turns yeah. of like, oh god, this is the moment when we're going to die when mm-hmm. someone's going to come flying around the corner while I'm doing like an inopportune three point seventy four point turn in a car that won't idle and with a race yes. clutch and yeah. yes. Um, neat really neat experience yeah i I would spend a million dollars on it yeah i mean to me it just it felt like the soul of an old car wrapped in a new car with the motor and sort of the solidity of a a new car to me it felt like if they cut 996 if they if they cut the, the the tape at you know delete all points after this at at 993 and said okay what's next Mm. And and didn't come nine nine six nine and seven nine and one lineage, and they continued the original lineage. This is where we'd be. Yeah. So in that sense, it's con, it's congruent. Is that right? Congruent with yeah. the comment that I made earlier about someone who had only driven old nine elevens, mm-hmm. uh, and then you put them in the car, they'd be like, "Yeah, this is what I would expect a modern Porsche right. to do." Except that it's so different in so many ways from those other cars. It's a big step in terms of the pedals, but pedals philosophically, be- they are very aligned. Mm-hmm. I guess yes. It, it, the character is quite different, mm-hmm. but f- it, but it feels still somehow familiar. Yeah, like you were like, this is an approach that is consistent with the underlying values and philosophy that went into the original right. 911s. It's the 911 that Porsche could make if they could. I think. And yeah, but would it sell? Ah, at that price point, I don't know. Look, well, I think if you made it a you know mass produced, I think but Porsche if, the, if could you Im- do this. imagine this car sort of with a, a in a the way that you'd have to make a hundred thousand dollar version of it. It'd be steel first. Um, Would it? it? Yeah, I mean, okay, Alfa that's Romeo four C, right? Alpha. Yeah, but then they put it. like an, a, a rear suspension in it from eighteen oh four. Okay, that's the other thing about this car: push rod suspension. I mean, I don't. I did not experience anything that allowed me to perceive the difference. I don't know if I would. I mean, the, the the real difference from my very limited suspension understanding is you're just reducing unsprung rate weight. And so what I did notice is that I didn't notice the suspension at all. Yeah. Like it just Same. does. Yep. And that's the highest compliment you can give to suspension. I'm not noticing yep. sharp impacts. I'm not noticing ripple. I'm not noticing weight transfer. So the car feels yes. very stiff and solid, mm-hmm. but also not harsh. Yeah. And the only the only indication that you're in something really different to me was the sound of impacts was very hollow. It's a very mm-hmm. plasticky, tinny, not tinny, like a light, higher pitch sound because the whole tub is carbon. Yeah yeah um and that's sort of a, a distinctive car little pebbles you hear in, in a different way than you would in a in a, in a yes. metal-bodied car um the the part that I, I made me the most joyful was definitely the way that it changes when you get on and off the throttle mm-hmm. the line of the car i love cars that you can drive on the throttle i kind of wanted to drive that car on like snow tires <laughs> like or uh, just a i track. wanted on us on a tighter road mm-hmm. also 
Yeah, I think it would be truly magnificent. It's it's the throttle response is so nuts. I, it does have a dual mass flywheel in mm-hmm. it, which I was surprised um, because it feels very responsive, but actually doesn't really gain and lose revs all that quickly. Uh, and so I asked, and he did a dual mass because he didn't want the chattering of the transmission gears at idle, which. I get like I love a single mass flywheel on a, a 911 R or GT3, but you get this, and which is fun at first. But sitting in traffic or sitting at a red light, you start to really feel bad. They can engineers can tell me and have for years. It's it's not doing any damage. It's fine. This will last for five billion hours idling like this. But you hear these horrible rattling noises, and you just start to think, well, if I put the clutch in, then I'm just going to fry the pilot bearing, and that's a that's a sacrificial part versus the gear set. And what do I do? And I just get this like I I, I can't. Uh-huh. So I think he made the right choice, um, but the throttle response is fucking insane. And so I think on a tight really road, good fidelity, like you you can really meter exactly what you want. He uh, he gave me quite a big compliment. He said that my shifts were as fast, uh, almost as fast, but l- less perceptible than a PDK's. <laughs> and you and it's. Okay, I tried. That's one of my goals always is to make a shift so smooth that I can't even tell with the clutch engaged. But within a couple of minutes, no problem on that car. And that that's a that's a testament to the car. Not yeah, it's me. friendly. Yeah, it's friendly. Um, all right, so now we have to compare it to a singer because it was 2015. You said you drove a singer. Yeah, so that's a long I drove time a, ago. Yeah, but I had my notes. Thank God for that spreadsheet. I mean, I like basically took it around a glorified block, so I don't have. What I can comment on mostly is the my interaction with the motor and just the impressions of interacting with the car. Mm-hmm. The reference point that I used for the singer is like a 964 RS effectively. Mm-hmm. And the car, the characters of those cars are so, so different. Of a singer other. versus a 964, 964 RS. RS. Yeah. How? Why? The 964 RS feels like a race car for the road. Uh, it has pretty high efforts. It's pretty firmly sprung. Uh, it just, you have to be, assertive with it and really uh sensitive to the car and the nine the the singer was it felt like a device that was intended for any old person any uh, old rich person any old rich person (laughs) uh and then it was just really civilized and quiet and smooth and the efforts were light and it just felt very refined and quite contemporary felt more modern than well certainly it looks because it looks 70s but also the car nominally underpinning it is from the 90s and the reference point is the 964 RS, which is the contemporary hot version of the car that it's based on uh and this car felt more modern than both of those things and so i didn't like it for that reason because it just it took away a lot of the texture of old porsches that to me is one the primary value of interacting with those cars so i didn't drive it hard i didn't drive it at the limit I think that it probably gets more entertaining at that point. But in the way that I was experiencing it, I was like, this feels like something intended to be used every day. That's exactly why I didn't like it either. It's, it's not that I didn't like it. I mean, I, I in my memory bank, I, I, I don't love the car. When I go back and in my notes, I did like it. And I said, yeah, this is something I would spend 400, I think it was $400,000 on. As it, This is just different times. Well, um, but also this is also, you know, I don't have $400,000 to spend on a car. And if I did, I probably wouldn't buy that anyway. But, you know, do I think that in, when you're looking in a, a collector world realm of realm of what cars go for? Sure. I can understand why someone would choose to buy it because of the way it looks. I mean, every piece of that interior is pure art. Um, and when I was, when I drove up to the house, this is in 2006, 2016, uh, at Pebble Beach Car Week. Um, and so I'll probably try to dig up photos. Sorry, fellow. Um, uh, from it, I 
the first hour that I was there, I was waiting for the for everyone to be ready for me, and I just couldn't stop taking pictures of the car. And I just remember looking at the intake and the seats and the fabric. I mean, it was, the car is just stunning to look at. What color was it? it you know me. Oh yeah, you're I'm pretty sure it was, was gray with like a brown interior. I drove a gray one with a purple interior. Yeah. Purple this suede. Was the, ooh, I think. The, who knows? This could be. It. We'll find out when I take up the inserts. But it was. Um, I remember loving the color. I remember loving everything about it and then i remember being let down when i drove it and that was really tough because look at it right i mean i don't want to criticize it but it was just too civilized mm-hmm. um i wanted it to be maniacal even at 10 miles an hour right i mean you're something that i i guess what i love would love is the dichotomy between something that looks that elegant and just it's a fucking fire-breathing bastard. Yeah. Um, and it didn't do that. It was civilized. And it, it rode a little bit more stiffly than I wanted. My favorite thing about early 911s is they're just soft and they're squishy. And the <laughs> best times I've ever had on them are on snow tires and shit tires. And I did. I literally drove every generation of 911 on Weissach, which is a very technical elevati, elevation prone. Elevation lunt, I th- you lunt, I think is the word you're looking for. Elevation you lend? <laughs> no. Is, no. Is that really no, a thing? No, no, no. I know. I made that up okay. just now. Uh, it's a hilly thing. <laughs> it's a hilly track with walls everywhere. And so the first car that I ever drove there was 991.1 GT3. The day before, or the, the day that Ferdinand Piech was going to drive the car and sign it off. So the, the mission was don't fucking wreck this or there will be no 911 GT3. So not that I was nervous or anything. And any pointinger who, you know, I'm a huge fan of who's a man child in all the right ways, turned off stability control while I was in the middle of a corner and was like, you don't need this. And just immediately let go of the wheel sideways. What the fuck is wrong with you, Andy? And he's like, yeah, I knew you had it. It's fine. Um, he's such a fucking hero, that guy. Um, that uh so i driven gt3 rs which is scalpel absolute i'm sorry gt3 which was scalpel but love to be sideways and just really axe mid engine and then i get in this like a, it was like a 65 two liter and then a 24 and then sort of through the progression and they were all on winter tires because this was at geneva auto shows after geneva auto shows so it was like february march and i slid everything around the track and all this whole widow maker crap is you realize it's just bullshit from people who don't Yes, understand who don't and and the rules not, right exactly yeah there's you know we've talked about this before some front engine front wheel drive cars have a you know like a three line rule book front engine rear drive cars have like a, a one pager on how to drive mid-engine cars it starts to get a little bit more complicated and then the 911's how to control me book is 7,632 pages over 37 volumes with appendices and it's, it's not that it's bad. not that bad you just can't chop the throttle it's not just that you can't and you can't in order to keep it neutral you have to be on the throttle but not too much once you start getting a lot of power correct. so that's the correct. appendices yeah, yeah. you know uh so they well, really duh. well the rule is they they're a front wheel drive car until they're not that's why it's a mind fuck right you start to oversteer you need to add power, which is the opposite of a front engine rear drive car. That's the front wheel Maybe drive. That's episode. why I like my GTI. Why? Because it handles like a 911 until it doesn't? Yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah. No, 911s handle like, I, I my rule book is basically, it's a, a treated like a front wheel drive car that has unlimited ability to put power down because it's m- magical. Yeah, because um, there's a lot of weight. Until it starts to, until it can't put the power down, in which case it's a maniacal yeah, asshole of through. a car. The that wants side. you dead yeah but you have to get to that limit to get the car neutral and not exceed it because once you get yeah. wheel spin hold on yeah um but 
they're great. They're wonderful. But so I loved exploring the limits of all of the early cars on squishy snow tires and just laughed myself sick for, for days. And this, and the body, the, you know, you turn the wheel in any 911 prior to 991. Um, maybe the RS cars are, are not like this, but you turn in and then you get a, the wheel does this. It, I'm sorry for you guys listening on the podcast, but it undoes what you did and gives you a little push in the opposite direction. So every you turn in, mm-hmm. And turn in, it's the it's the defining characteristic of a 911 steering to me. And what you're feeling is the secondary weight transfer of the engine horking the rear wheels over and just tightening the line. Mm-hmm. So you turn into the left, it pulls a little bit right and then back. And that's the line tightening from the secondary mass. And if you do that over and over again, you just get in this, you can get in this rhythm where you can just use that weight of the back of the car as a pendulum to pull you through S's. And it's the most satisfying thing in the automotive world saying nice things about a 911 because today's my nice day um i love that they're good that was engineered out of the singer and i was very upset about that i didn't feel that it was rear-engined and it's got a lot of tire and pretty stiff suspension mm -hmm. it's too buttoned down too buttoned down and i'm sure at the limit it would still do all the 911e things that i love which is uh, again if you can master the rule book using that weight to your advantage Roof also took out those secondary motions. I didn't feel that in normal driving, but what it did that the singer did didn't do b- below the limit was to tighten the line and tuck in and do to give you the hint of all that. So it wasn't it's not quite as unhinged as earlier 911s, but it's nothing like modern engine uh, modern 911s where you don't feel that weight at all. It might as well be mid engine. Does so standard 997 do that? 997 does, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So they're better without um pasm and the uh, active engine mounts and all that stuff just the the base car is always the the sort of most talkative but yeah 997s are very very talkative about what the back is doing Mm. and you get this like what i you or 996 and 997 you get a vertical a very quick vertical chop in the front axle because there's no weight there so you have a a relatively low spring rate so they're fast and they just sort of up and down up and down up and down up and down all the time and then you know you're feeling steering corrections that reads the road the back end is always a left right almost a almost a circular motion that happens in the back all the time so when as you're going down the road, you have a constant motion in two different dimensions in the back, and you're feeling that through the wheel combined with a v- just vertical at the front. And it's just the characteristic of a 911. It's just going down the road in a straight line. The steering is constantly moving around, and the whole car is moving around. I love that. It's my favorite part of 911s. That was gone with 991.1. 10% of it came back with 991.2, and the GT3 cars get another 10 or 20% of that back. Um, but that's... If you talk to an engineer, that's a flaw. You talk to me, that's the defining characteristic and what why I love them. Um, and so Singer got that out. And so sure, you can get into a Singer and drive it every day, but you wouldn't. Who's going to drive a Singer? Because it's so expensive. Right. Um, if you're ma- magnificently wealthy and some magnificently wealthy people probably do do this with their Singers, then yes. Yeah, but it's, it's, look, it doesn't matter how wealthy you are. You, you're not going to be able to call an order apart when something falls off or something yeah. breaks. It just becomes a, a hassle. At that point, if I want a civilized, light your hair on fire motor 911, I'd buy a GT3 Touring. I mean, that does everything better. For a quarter of the money. Of the, <laughs> a fucking concept. And then you could buy a real career RS in addition. Right. Or yeah. a 964 RS. Um, I love that 
that do touring for that reason. But I, it's a little bit too easy to live with. Yeah. I mean, as my only 9-11, sure, I'd, if I could have one, of course I'd have one. But um, mm-hmm. I would rather drive a 9-11 GT3 touring than anything else. But it's too big. Yes. It's too big. Air-cooled. Yeah, but not a 964. Not your car. And the other thing that... Because it's too buttoned. It's that fucking exhaust. Oh. Well, yeah, you put a dual-out exhaust yeah. on it, and it's fine. But yeah, I agree. The motor is the, the part of the car I like the least. It's the least characterful. Right, which is t- typically on 911s one of the most characterful parts. It's um, the exhaust system design. Yeah, so the exhaust is routed where it comes out on the right-hand bank, comes out, goes forward mm-hmm. around the front of the motor, meets Joins with the left. Joins with the left side bank, which is also going forward. Right. Then they go together into the single the same, and cat. same routing as a STI. Is it? Yeah, STI is the same way. Mm-hmm. One bank goes around, and you just get a, a discordant kind of low-pitched... You know, your car at six or 7,000 RPM is... Yeah. Um, where, like, this thing is screaming yeah so i drove a 3.8 liter car with the 993 type exhaust which is a genuine two out and it uh, does all the things you request that you are specifically requesting right now the other thing that i thought was really interesting about the singer uh, about the roof i asked alois on this is did you guys balance the shit out of this motor and he asked why and i said it doesn't have the so flat sixes are inherently balanced but there's always you know, a couple grams here, a couple grams there. And throughout the rev range, I found that most Porsche flat sixes have different resonances at different speeds. So you get a buzz here and a little vibration there and little, as you're slowly increasing through the revs, it sounds like, or sounds and feels like something's broken for a second and then it goes away and then it comes back and it goes away. And there was none of that in, uh, in the SER. So he said they did do, they do a good bit of balancing and there's a lot, a lot of lightweight components. That was one thing where I'm like, hmm. Can we have a little bit more stroke for a little bit more vibration? Mm. Um, this is your VW, old-timey VW enthusiast coming through. True. Yeah, I don't like balanced motors, apparently. I like shit boxes. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was interesting. We came to sort of the same conclusion. So you would choose, we'd both choose a roof over a Singer. Yes. Despite the fact that the Singer is a nicer interior. Yeah. Um, but it's that. But it's to the point where it's too nice. It's like a, like I have to take my shoes off when I'm inside kind of car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I would choose it over a 991 GT3 as well. You would choose the roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you do. Oh, any of them. 911R. Yes. GT3 Touring. New and over 992 also. GT 992 is me- mechanically like... Um, this is the other thing. Roof has double wishbone front and rear. Mm-hmm. Or it's got... It can't be. Yeah, it is double wishbone rear. Which is net, that's never been done on a 911. They're always multi link, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I, that's a pretty pretty strong statement saying this is a million dollar car and we would choose it over the GT3, which we hold up in, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking Andy Pruninger. And then I would just choose, of course, the old car above them all an, an old RS, 73 RS. Over the roof. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Por qué? Just that old car magic. I don't know. You want carburetors? You want well, they're not carbureted, but oh, they're, they're MFI. MFI. Yeah. Um, it's too, f- too. I think it'd be it's too fast. This is entertaining at all speeds, and so it does. It sort of eliminates that. But I would just get. I know I would get into trouble. I actually said to Alois, I would like the car better if it was three hundred and fifty horsepower, not five hundred. And he looked at me like I was fucking insane. He's like, "What's yeah. wrong?" But you know, they live in Germany. They can they can do that. Although. 
did you the top speed i think is 320 kilometers an hour so 200 miles an hour and it's at at the limiter in sixth mm-hmm. and i was driving along i said to him i was at four grand for a couple seconds in like third in traffic where you know the intake starts to make a lot of noise and i kind of was in it a little bit i'm like hold on a second and just rolled into it and just thought about what it would sound like for extended periods of time and then by the time i got to eight thousand, my ears were bleeding they popped i couldn't think there's so much vibration from the you know the sound waves that i couldn't even see at that point i thought i said to him there's no fucking way i would sit at eight thousand rpm for any length of time on an autobahn he was like it's pretty intense (laughs) this is a 71 year old who could still hear me somehow despite the fact that he drives these cars every day because he does drive his own cars all the time uh wouldn't you oh yeah you made it for yourself i could totally drive that car every day that would be it's i mean easy to get in and out of yeah that was the other thing it looks pretty compact the wheelbase is only three inches longer than a than an air-cooled 911 it's the same as 997 i think he said it was 996 or 997 it's 92 point Mm, still tiny two um but it was it was really interesting to to you know freeman thomas helped him with the design of that car which thought it was pretty interesting. Freeman called. Well, he was like, oh, it's Freeman. And he answered the phone. I was like, oh my God. But um, everything is totally different. So they elongated the whole car. And then I think it's 90 millimeters totally, total length increase, blah, blah, blah. Over S- a? Over a nine, over the air-cooled cars, the long wheelbase air-cooled cars. Um, but then, so it must have been a 964 probably. Yeah, or 993. Yeah, somewhere in there. But he, there was like, it was, 70 mil at the rear and 20 mil at the front is what they added and then you start to look at the door cutout. did you see that Mm-mm. so it's got the same exact shape as a as a classic door not eleven door cutout, which com- comes down from the windshield and then takes a 90 degree right towards the front yes. of the car and then before it heads down and it's really awkwardly long when you oh, look really? at it and he's like yeah well, this is where that 20 mil went or whatever it was over there it was that was i think two inches so that would have been more than certainly more than 20 millimeters um, it was 2.9 inches wheelbase change wheelbase change um but this was like overall length and he's like yeah so then we did that and then we had to change the angle of the headlights and they sort of went through the whole car and there's nothing there's not a porsche part anywhere on there and the taillights look like the porsche shape but of course the car is so much wider yeah that they had to then re-engineer the taillights and then the you know the shapes and so he was like, this This is 20 millimeters wider than a 911. This is 40. This is 60. This is 20. This is whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it all as a whole. They looks, scaled the whole car up. But, but not evenly. And it still works. It's not like they just did like, you know, select all times oh, 1.1. It's like when you do a long wheelbase car that really should be a short wheelbase. Even like an E38. You look at it and you're like, when you yeah. start looking. No, the short wheelbase is the way to be. Is the way to be, right? The long wheelbase looks awkward. This doesn't look awkward because it was just scaled in all the right ways. Um, I found that really interesting. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, just fucking really cool. Like, how do you believe that you have to do a vanity project at 70 years old after you've made the whole world know exactly who Roof is? Because he wants people to experience the joy that that car brings. Yep. I really admire that. Me too. That was a, that was a very, very unexpectedly cool experience. I thought yep. I was just going to get another rest of mod 911 and I realized. Oh, really? I didn't. I know, know their reputation. And so I was like. My expectations were quite high. Mm. All right, so can we go half and half on one? <laughs> maybe he'll give us one at cost. It'll only be maybe, like seven hundred. <laughs> maybe I, if we find ten other people. Maybe if we get sponsorship for this episode, which we are have, can we ask? Can we ask Reliable to buy us one? <laughs> sure. Be my guest. Hey, Papa Haggerty, can you? Uh, yeah, no, it's all good. I can't afford that. 
Uh, I will never be able to afford one, but um, I could definitely see people buying it. Yes, enthusiastically. I think they're quite sold out for a while, a couple years worth. I hope so. Um, you know, the other interesting retro mod from Pebble Beach was that we saw at the Quail was that uh, Totem Alfa Romeo oh, yes. homage. I, it looks like a GTV. <laughs> fell over when I saw that thing. Really? Oh, it, well, it was next to the Camaro. So I was looking yeah. for the Camaro because I talked to Luca, the, the guy, the founder, I guess. And I'm like, oh, there's the Camaro. What the fuck is that? It was one of those like, you know, the the movie effect where the background goes blurry. And you're like, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Is that thing gorgeous? Oh, really? You didn't think so? I, I, th- I do think it's attractive. But uh, I didn't have the same reaction to it. Your typical The interior is beautiful. Interior is fucking ridiculously stunning. Really like the interior. You know what I liked the most about the car? It leaked oil all over the driveway when they were pushing it. I was pushing it. it. You were pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's it was struck me as funny that they put an Alpha 2.9, so the current Quattrofolio Verde um, uh, 2.9 liter V6 in there. And, <laughs> and introduced leaking. oil leaks <laughs> in the process somehow. I, I heard reportedly that it also has a transaxle. I don't know if that's oh, true. Oh, I didn't know that. I that's mean, it does have a six-speed manual, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and 500 and something horsepower. Or no, 700 and something horsepower is what they're saying. I mean, the motor makes 505 out of the box. Mm-hmm. I... Th- I really got excited about the way that car looks i'd rather have an alphaholics i and then immediately when i heard the engine that engine I, the, the engine choice i thought I'm no longer interested mm. and it's a little mean and a little harsh but at least it's not electric that's really not i know that much praise i know i mean why would you do that when you can put a buso in the fucking thing yeah, I mean, imagine like modern engine management on a quad cam 3.2 liter boost or punch it out. There's a guy who makes three eights and three nines out of those. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what does he get? 400 horsepower? I don't know. He puts them into GTV sixes. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Some guy in the continent, of course. I mean, there Beautiful you go. Stuff. There you go. That Can you imagine those looks with that? what that must sound like? Yeah. Yeah. Epic. Three, 400 naturally aspirated Buso V6 horsepower and a GTV. <laughs> yeah, that's the answer. Good night. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I can't think anymore. I don't have any blood in my head. <laughs> okay. This has been episode 67, maybe. Oh, I can't count that. Right. Yeah, we're kind of bad at this. Of the Carmarjan Show. Of the Carmarjan Show. We are back next week as we're back every Monday on the Haggerty Podcast Network. Uh, um, unless it's September 5th. Labor unless Day. Unless it's September 5th. Yeah, because that's Labor Day. We don't labor on Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so aside from the occasional holiday or if in the unintended or unexpected event that we're not available for some reason, uh, we're back every Monday on the, on our own channel, the Carmen and Joke channel on uh, the YouTubes, plus all your local streaming providers. Uh, leave some nasty comments in the comments section. And the section. preview for the next episode, I think, is going to be the rally episode, the Continental Rally episode. Oh my god i don't have a passport do i need a passport to travel to europe i mean a mask is all i need right <laughs> i don't think you need those anymore uh <coughs> oh god um uh, just put you in the baggage all right this has been episode 67 plus or minus now we travel to europe and go drive cool old cars all right see you on the other side see you next week or two weeks